0: Pastor, how are you? Hey, doing well. I'm glad you are leading us this morning.
1: Yeah. So some people have been wondering about our 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 podcast name, Kaisis, which means we have a, a new audience. Isn't that great? That is. Yeah, so for for those of you who who are new, Kaisis actually is comes from two Greek words, kaine kathesis, which means new creation. We thought it would be kind of kind of cool, something different. Uh, something that will catch people's attention, which is why we, we kind of mixed those two words together. But that, that's what kaisis means. Didn't Um,
0: didn't she used to start with, hi there?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, Pastor, don't bring that up. It's really embarrassing. A few of my
0: friends found that and yeah, that made fun of me. It wasn't great audio at first. That always reminded me of, uh, uh, Freddie Boom Boom Washington. You don't know who that is, but in the seventies, he would always say, hi there. And that's a a great show from the golden age of television that only certain listeners will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, I don't know, Pastor, but does it sound,
1: I wouldn't want to be compared to that guy. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. What are you leading us with today?
1: So today we're going to go over the theme of exile in the Old Testament and how it relates to the New Testament. And the reason I brought this up is because as y'all heard last week, I have worked in a apartment ministry. And I was talking to the, one of the kids once, and I asked him, hey, um, where are you from? He's like, well, I'm from Malaysia. My family's from Burma. He's about in the third grade. And I asked him, hey, tell me a little bit of your story. How, how did you come here? And he said, uh, like, so casually, he was like, well, people with guns came and we had to leave. And they just proceeded to go play Jenga with his friends. <laughs> and I was so surprised. I was like, wow, these, these kids don't don't yet understand the weight of their experience. And it was kind of just interesting uh, to hear each and every one of their stories, including that of my own mother, who had to uh, flee her own country, El Salvador, because of the aftermath of the civil war. So these modern examples of exile, you know, are kind of interesting because they help us understand the Bible. Because in these stories, I mean, you, you 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 hear these stories of losing your home, losing your sense of safety, losing goals and dreams, sometimes losing family, feeling disoriented, and feeling lost and that this modern experiences you know kind of help us understand how understand the bible because this theme of exile permeates the story of the bible from the very beginning and it seeks to highlight our own spiritual dilemma that that sin and death created distance between us and between god now pastor what, what are your thoughts on how exile is reflective of our own spiritual state Because in one sense, God is everywhere. We can't escape him. So how does exile make sense in the story of
0: the Bible? Yeah, in the Old Testament, exile is the summary of our experience after the fall, where Adam and Eve were exiled from the presence of God. And we talked last week about symbolism. And in the Old Testament, east is an important symbol, Hmm. because Adam and Eve are exiled east, away from the garden. And so Cain murders his brother and he's driven further east. Hmm. And so the symbol is the further east you go, the farther from God you are. So we've all been exiled to the east. We're all surviving in this dysfunctional life where nothing is as it should be. And so throughout the Old Testament, um, like in Ezekiel, we have the temple. When God's glory departs, it travels east. Hmm. Um, exile, I mean, Ezekiel sees a restored glorious temple, and God moves back in from the east. Hmm. And so, you know, even Genesis eleven, twelve, as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. The Tower of Babel was built in the east, and that's man trying to make a life for himself apart from God. And so everything, and there's a famous book called East of Eden by Steinbeck, But, and he was capturing this idea. So west in the Bible is where God is, symbolically, Mm -hmm. where God's presence. And so to go west is to go back to Eden or to go back to the temple. Mm -hmm. And so in Genesis 3.24, he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden. Yeah which guards the way to the tree of life. And so uh, exile is the dominant description of mankind after the fall, that idea of exile or away from God. And and, uh, I'll let you develop that. But yeah, that's, if you remember, East is symbolic. Mm. It'll help you in some of understanding why direction is so prominent in the Old Testament. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, because I've always personally kind of wrestled a little bit with,
1: with that, because like I said, God is everywhere. What does it mean that we are sent east away from God? But even like you said, east or exile are symbolisms that in one sense it is symbolic, but it is real in that we are spiritually, you know, drawn away from God. And so that that that's really helpful. So our our sinful plight. Is described in the Bible, as you said, as exile, and it does this in three ways. Exile is man- our sinful exile is, is is described in three different ways. It's one, it's departure from the homeland; two, enemy oppression in the homeland; and three, the departure the departure of God's presence from among the people. And sometimes all these kind of overlap. But where do we see this? first happen. And as you just said, it happens first in Genesis. And something that we've been doing implicitly through our episodes is, is, is seeing the Adam and Eve story as the DNA of the biblical narrative. That the themes found in Genesis in this story are repeated and further developed throughout the other books of the Bible. So um, in, in the beginning, you have Adam and Eve, and they are given a garden. And they just have one condition, adherence to God's one law. They're able to dwell in the land. They're able to multiply in it, prosper, and the land will provide for them. But as we know, they disobey. But what's interesting is that they don't just die. They don't just cease to exist. Yes, death enters into the world, but something more sad and terrible happens. They are exiled from the garden, exiled from their homeland, and most importantly, exiled from God's presence. As you just quoted, Genesis 4.24, he he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So consequently, because of their sin, the threat of death um, was always in the presence of men and women. And as we just said, the land is now against Adam, not for him. He is now in Exile from God's presence, from prosperity, from the homeland. So, Pastor, do you have any, any thoughts on how the Genesis story helps us understand the rest of the biblical narrative?
0: Yeah, what you said is so key because the fall of Adam comes so quickly. Hmm. I mean, it's just there in, in one passage, and then it moves on. And yet that is the very key to the Old Testament story. And what we have with Israel is a recapitulation or the garden and the fall replayed again. <laughs> and this time, not quickly, but over centuries. Yes. And so Adam is now a nation, Israel. Adam was a son of God. Israel's a son of God. They're given a covenant head position, they're given a covenant. And so Israel's forming is described as a creation. <laughs> and so as Adam and Eve are exiled from the land and they go east. Israel, as they break the covenant with God, they're exiled out of the land and they're sent east. Hmm. And so what happened with Adam and Eve happened so quickly that the Lord replays it over a long period of time in a very vivid picture. Hmm. This is Adam in the garden, given all these benefits a land of milk and honey. And this is what happens when they break the covenant and they're exiled out. And you can see the hearts of these people. And so if you're wondering what exactly happened in that very brief story, the the rest of the Old Testament, what it does is, like you said, it plays out the first story in Genesis Now, now in a long period, that's how to understand Israel. Exactly.
1: And so when we get to the story of the people of Israel, like you said, our minds are meant to make that connection. Wow, this sounds exactly like Adam and Eve. And that is completely intentional from the part of Moses, completely intentional from the prophets. They are trying to make that connection. Um, So when we get to the people of Israel, we are to think of them as the children of Adam and Eve. And they receive a type of Eden, the land of milk and honey. Uh, just just before, uh, before we started this podcast, we were just talking about how the Psalms and other passages describe um, uh, the land of Israel with the language of Eden. Because that's exactly the connection they're supposed to make. God is trying to lead humanity, Israel, to a better and greater garden. So when God gives Israel this, this land, they can keep it. They can multiply it. They can prosper it if they obey the covenant, just like God, the same exact conditions that God gave Adam, but that did not happen. They re, and so consequently, what happens? They receive the covenant curses. But I want you to listen closely to the language of these covenant curses. Deuteronomy 29, 28 says, and the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury in great wrath and cast them into another land as they are in this day. And this exact event that's described here happens repeatedly throughout the history of Israel. They receive oppression from the Canaanites. They are led captive by the Babylonians, by the Persians. they are under Roman oppression during New Testament times. I mean, this is not only a, rep- a fulfillment of Deuteronomy, but also, like you said, a repetition of what happened to their first parents, just like Adam and Eve, Israel is sent out of their own garden. But now the story doesn't stop there. For for many of the prophets, this is the problem that needs to be resolved: a renewed people that can return to the land and return to God. And we're gonna we're gonna. Um, We're going to kind of take a closer look into the solution. But what I want you to have in mind is how closely related um, Israel's exile is with the Genesis story. So, Pastor, do you have have any thoughts on on this connection?
0: Yeah, it just reminds me of your sermon on Nehemiah, Hmm. where Nehemiah has, they've experienced exile, now they've returned. And so the question is, is the exile really over? Hmm. Are we back with God again because we're in Jerusalem in the temple? Or is the exile a picture of something? Are you are we still actually captive? No. And that's the question the book raises, and it's very clear by the end. They're captive in their own sins. They cannot follow the law of God. Their hearts are still hardened, and Nehemiah is very frustrated with that. So that theme of exile permeates Nehemiah, and it raises the question, Is this really the return? And you're going to talk about the return now, but it reminded me that was the theme of your sermon. Yeah, no, and I'm about to mention a little bit about it because so
1: if we we are immersed in this story, we are to think that if the problem is exile, then the solution is return. And God in his law, when God speaks to Israel, he promises exactly that. The solution to your exile is return. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 4, look at the language. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there, the Lord, your God will gather you. And from there he will take you. And what does Jeremiah do? He grabs, he uses the language of Deuteronomy. and He says, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And the reader is supposed to say, man, that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's a solution to our plight. That's a solution to Adam and Eve's problem. That's a solution uh, that uh, to Israel's problem. Yeah. But the question remains, how would this happen? How will return happen? And many Jews struggled with this question because it was a struggle because like you said, they they there is a moment in Israel's history where they do return from Babylon, but they start questioning, is this true return? And books like Ezra and Nehemiah highlight how this is not really true return, because although the people of Israel physically return, their hearts are still in exile. Their hearts are still in Babylon. So you have this one question, how will return happen? And there are many ways Jews have tried to answer this. Because when we get to the New Testament, we found that there are many groups answering these questions. For example, we hear about the Pharisees. We hear about the Sadducees. We hear about the Essenes. And in history, we hear about the Qumran community. And all All these different Jewish groups had different answers to this question. The Sadducees said, we ought to only follow the Pentateuch. The Pharisees will say, no, the Pentateuch and the prophets with our own interpretation. The The Essenes in the Qumran community will say, no, we must leave society, go to the desert and follow the law. This is how we return. And this is just an example of how they were wrestling with this question. And in many ways, the struggle to this question is still ongoing to this day. But, Pastor, do you have any any thoughts on how the Jews wrestled with this question of return?
0: Yeah, it was really tough for them because on one level they were back. I mean, they were in the land of Israel, and they had a measure of freedom to worship God according to their conscience. But at another level, the Romans were still in charge, and many Jews were um, dispersed throughout the world. And so in their minds, the Messiah would come and all the Jewish people would come back to Israel. And that's when you'd have the return. But what I find fascinating is the, the genealogy of Christ in Matthew 1. The theme of that is exile. Hmm. And as it speaks of the exile, first it, it, 12, after the exile to Babylon, and then it lists more names in the genealogy. Hmm. But it never mentions the return.
1: No.
0: And so even in verse 17, uh, the, 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 thus there were 14 generations and then 14 from the exile to the Messiah.
1: Hmm.
0: Notice how it gives the impression that the Jews are still in exile.
1: Yeah.
0: It doesn't say from the exile to the return. It completely skips over the return. And so the, the idea is that the, Israel is still in exile. They still are far from God, even though they have the law. And they need a savior to bring them to God. It yeah. doesn't matter that the temple is rebuilt. It doesn't matter that they're back. They're still in the same condition as man outside of the garden. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's exactly your point, huh? Yeah. Because
1: then the story slows down. When the New Testament begins, the story of the Bible focuses on one particular Jewish man from Nazareth, Jesus. And while everyone is trying to figure out how to get to the kingdom, and by the way, kingdom is synonymous with return. How do we return to God's promised land, God's promised garden? Jesus presents himself as the solution to true return. From the very beginning of his ministry, Matthew 3.17, Look at the language Jesus uses. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as the gospel story develops, Jesus, his person and ministry becomes the solution to the exile dilemma. True return into God's kingdom can only happen through the one who experiences exile and exhausts it for us. What we are to see at the end of Jesus's ministry, his death In particular, we are to see it as exile finds its climax at the cross. Jesus gets rejected from his own, he gets betrayed from his own, um, one of his own disciples. He gets abandoned by his own disciples. He gets exiled in, 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 in a way from his own people. He is crucified from the outside of the city, symbolically exiled from Israel itself. I mean, he experiences exile at the cross. That's what we're supposed to see but he exhausts it for us because what happens? He resurrects his victory over exile, his victory over death. In other words, a perfect son of Adam leads us back in a way to a greater and better garden, a better Eden, the new heavens and the new earth. So that in conclusion, when we embrace Jesus, we begin the experience or we experience the beginnings of true return from exile. We receive a new heart, something that Israel never had. A, we receive God's spirit. We receive an assurance of salvation such that as Christians, no matter how, how much we love our own homeland, it is not the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, when we turn on the news all these tragedies, all these, all these other things that happen are stark reminders that this is not the new heavens and the new earth, and that's supposed to be at the forefront of our own minds and hearts such that The author of Hebrews says, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And even the Apostle Peter describes Christians as elect exiles. And I think it's really helpful to hear um, another Christian by the name of John Chrysostom, who says, if you are a Christian, no earthly country is yours. God is the maker and builder of our country. Even if we gain possession of the entire world, we are nevertheless immigrants and foreigners. We are enrolled in heaven. Our citizenship is there. Virtue of soul is our ornament and defense, not the greatness of our nation. Our warfare is to make the dead to live, not the living to die. So we Christians are exiles, foreigners, pilgrims. But here's the difference, brothers and sisters. Unlike the Pharisees, unlike the Sadducees, unlike the Essenes, we have an answer. We Jesus is our answer who leads us home. We actually have a real direction to return and that's that's the beauty of the gospel that jesus is our answer to exile so pastor you have any any final thoughts on on how jesus is our answer to this to this plight
0: yeah i'm ready for the closing hymn i mean you broke out brothers and sisters you went full preaching mode on me oh (laughs) yeah uh, i think we talked about it in spanish
1: you just say hermanos and and, and, but i don't want to miss out on on the on everyone
0: here you know no, it's great. I mean, it's really basic Christianity that we are exiles. That's the New Covenant theme. When, when Peter calls us elect exiles, he doesn't mean a particular group of Christians or a particular time in history. That describes New Covenant Christians. Hmm. Um, life is short. The curse is still active. Ecclesiastes is a book everyone should read Um, This world is vanity. It's not our home. We are passing through. And so all forms of dominion or um, victorious Christian living, none of that works with the theme of exile. Hmm. None of that worked in the early church. They understood who they were. And we don't have this world all figured out. We're still struggling. We've, We've been brought back by faith. But we're still in this fallen world. We're all living in the East. No. And so it humbles us um, to place our hope not in this world, but in that which Christ is preparing.
1: No. And, And it's interesting because I know we've been using the word exile in a negative sense, but when we embrace Christ, we are exiles, but not in a stagnant sense. Like you said, we don't remain East. With Christ, we start making Symbolically, we start making our way west, don't we?
0: Yeah, and the best example is you think of um, the Israelites that were in Babylon, and what are they doing? They're dreaming of their homeland. They're weeping no. uh, to be brought back to God's presence, and that's a picture of us. We, we long f- to be with God in our homeland, to be free of this sin and pain, um, to, to see the horrible things people get away with in the world Hmm. that that's our christian experience and as soon as we lose that uh, we start to lose the gospel
1: no no thank you pastor that that was really helpful and i hope this was helpful for y'all this was helpful for me to see kind of trace a little bit how the theme of exile permeates the story of the bible and how jesus answers that so thank you and hope to see you next week thank you pastor no problem